Welcome to the Urban Church Podcast. If you would like more information about Urban, please visit our website at lifeaturban.com. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy the message. John 14, 26 says, But the Comforter, even the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said unto you. John fifteen twenty six. But when the Comforter is come, who is the Comforter? The Holy Spirit, third person of the Godhead, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceedeth from the Father, he shall bear witness of me. John 16, verse 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I go, I will send him unto you. The Comforter, the Holy Spirit. Now turn with me to the Old Testament, if you would, to Numbers 13. Numbers 13, verse 25. And before I read this, let me just tell you what's happening here. What's, what's taking place here is the children of Israel have been in captivity in, in Egypt uh, for a long time. And, uh, and God appeared to Moses and said, Hey, Moses, I want you to lead my people out of, that, out of that place, out of Egypt, out of that place of bondage, out of that place like a prison. I want you to take them out of there, and I want you to bring them into uh, the promised land, the things that I'm promising them. And uh, so they leave. And if you want to catch up on that, you can read back in your Bible and see how that took place. Uh, but they leave, and they go on about a 10 days journey uh, when they leave Egypt, and they come to their promised land. They come to the place that God is saying, I want you to go in, take possession of this. This is your promise. This is your dream. This is what I'm bringing you to. And I want to pick it up now, Numbers 13, verse 25. And uh, now they've sent spies in to check it out. And here's what's going on. Verse 25. And at the end of the 40 days, the spies returned from spying out the land. And they came to Moses and Aaron and told all the congregation of the people of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh, they brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told him, we, we came to the land to which you sent us. It flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. However, the people who dwell in the land are strong, and the cities are fortified and very large. And besides, we saw the descendants of Anak there, and the Amalekites dwell in the land of the Negev. And the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites dwell in the hill country, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the Jordan. But Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and occupy it, for we are well able to overcome it. Then the men who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we are. So they brought to the people of Israel a bad report, the land that they had spied out, saying the land through which we have gone to spy it out, is the land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people that we saw in it are of great height. And there we saw Nephilim, the sons of Anak, who come from, the, uh, from Nephilim. Now listen to this part. And we seemed to ourselves like grasshoppers, and so we seemed to them. And we, we seemed like in our own eyes like grasshoppers, and because of that, we also seemed like grasshoppers to them. Now turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 29. Deuteronomy chapter 29. 
So here's the spies, man. They go spy it out. They look, man. It's everything that was promised. It's the dream that they dreamt about. It's, it's everything they thought it would be. But they get there, and because of a bad report, and we're going to see why that bad report came tonight, but because of a bad report, they begin, to, they begin to say, man, we can't have that dream. We can't have our promised land. So because of that, then, they wander the wilderness for 40 years, never going in to occupy their promise. Okay? And something takes place during those 40 years. Now they're about ready to go in again. And Deuteronomy 29, verse 1, says, These are the words of the covenant that the Lord commanded Moses to make with the people of Israel in the land of Moab, besides the covenant that he made with them in Oreb. And Moses summoned all Israel and said to them, You have seen all that the Lord did before your eyes in the land of Egypt, to Pharaoh and all his servants and to all his land the great trials that your, eyes, uh, that your eyes saw, the signs and those great wonders. But to this day, the Lord has not given you a heart to understand or eyes to see or ears to hear. Listen to verse 5. Okay? I have led you 40 years in the wilderness. God, the Holy Spirit, the Comforter has led you for 40 years in the wilderness. Your clothes have not worn out on you. Your sandals have not worn off your feet. He provided food from there in the wilderness. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word tonight. God, we thank you that your word is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. Lord, I pray that in the next few moments that we have together, uh, that God, you would speak to us. And God, you would minister to us. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Three weeks ago, we started the series entitled The Comforter. And we established in that first series, or the first part of that series, who the Comforter is, out of John 14, 26, 15, 26, and John 16. And we established that the Comforter, if you look at it, it's a capital C, it's the, it's the word that Jesus used when he described the Holy Spirit who was to come to his disciples. And so we've established that the Comforter, as we talk about him even tonight, is the Holy Spirit. The Comforter is the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Godhead, the Lord Jesus Christ, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. He's the third person of the Godhead. We see the Holy Spirit active in creation in Genesis chapter 1. We see the Holy Spirit active in the process of redemption. And, and even now, today, now that Jesus Christ is seated at the right hand of God the Father, who do we see working here on earth? Well, if Jesus isn't here, we know God's up there and Jesus is sitting next. It's the Holy Spirit that is working here and now in our lives and in the lives of even those that aren't believers yet to bring them to Jesus Christ, okay? It's the hour, it's the time, it's the age of the Holy Spirit. Last week we talked about the Holy Spirit or the Comforter. We talked about Him and how He covers us in our time of fear. How many of you guys were here for that one? You got something out of that. He covers us in our time of fear. See, when we look at the way that Jesus described to His disciples who was to come after Him, when we look at that word Comforter, let me just give you the actual definition. The actual word is paraclete, and it means this, summoned called to one's side, especially called to one's aid. This is the comforter. One who pleads another's cause before a judge, a, a pleader, a counselor for defense, a legal assistant, an advocate, one who pleads another's cause with one, an intercessor in the widest sense, a helper, an aider, an assistant. This is the comforter, and he aids you, he assists you, he leads you, he guides you. It's the comforter. Are you with me tonight? And I believe that the reason Jesus used the word comforter 
Okay, and it wasn't, now listen to me, it wasn't just a word, it was his title that he gave the Holy Spirit, why he entitled him the Comforter, because he knew that not only his disciples, but everyone that, would, everyone that would walk through life would need someone to assist them in their progress. Let me tell you something, I, I've heard people say this, man, come to Jesus and life gets so much better. No, it doesn't. <laughs> it gets a little bit easier, and here's why. Okay, you're going to walk through the same trials, you're going to walk through the same circumstances, you're going to walk through the same frustration, you're going to face the same mountains, but now you're not walking alone. Are you with me tonight? You've got the comforter. You, how many guys have seen that? How many guys have seen Snoopy, have seen the, the, the cartoon Peanuts? Anybody? Okay, maybe get out of your little world a little bit and check it out, okay? One of my favorite people is, is Linus. And I, I like Linus because Linus, man, he walks around with what? His blankie, man. He walks around with his blankie sucking his thumb, okay? There is not an episode that goes by that you don't see Linus without his little blankie, all right? I remember actually I was just at Knott's Berry Farm with my daughters, and, uh, and, and the day was kind of winding down. Carl wanted to go on one more ride, and so I took Faith into one of the shops, and they were playing some of the, some of the Peanuts cartoons. And so I sat down on a little bench to watch them with her, and on one of the ones they actually took Linus's binky from, or his blanket from it, and they took it from him, and there was part of this magic show, and they shredded it all up, and they were supposed to put it back together. Okay, but kind of, Linus was fine, but the minute they took that blanket from him, he started to break out in cold sweats, and he was shaking, and he was like biting his fingernails. He was worried. Why was that? Because he no longer had, are you with me tonight, the comforter with him. <laughs> Let me tell you something. You'll go through the same circumstances, the same trials, but you have the comforter with you. And the cool thing about that is this, not only do you have someone there to comfort you in your time of fear, not only do you have someone there to comfort you in, in, in your time of insecurity that we're going to talk about tonight, but you have someone that is an aider and an assister that is talking to you all the time saying, this is the way, walking in it. I don't know about you, but I, I would not be where I'm at in life without the Holy Spirit. I don't know how some people do it. I really don't. I don't know how they make it through life. And you know what? Life is a lot easier if we just shut up and listen every once in a while. John says that the one I'm going to send you, he's going to lead you and guide you in all truth. He's going to explain all these things that I've told you. He's going to talk to you. How many of you guys ever heard the Holy Spirit talk to you before? Okay, maybe it wasn't audible. Okay, more of you, we're going to open up our ears and we're going to hear more of the Holy Spirit. Because I'm telling you right now, the Holy Spirit is talking all the time. He doesn't stop. He's like a woman in that way. No, I'm just kidding. He is, I'm just kidding. He's talking all the time. And he wants you to hear it. And we just need to learn to quiet the outside noises or maybe the inside noises and begin to hear what he's saying. And man, when we hear what he's saying, if we just do it, man, life is so much easier. Man, I'll tell you what, I had a Jesus encounter just the other day. Um, it was something that renewed my faith. And I just want to tell it to you real quickly. Uh, my mom is here from out of town. And uh, she's been with us about 10 days, and she's going to be with us a couple more. And uh, my daughter's had a half day on Friday, and, and so my daughters wanted to take my mom to what they call No Wave Beach. Okay, in San Diego, I love the waves. I love to surf. I want to get my girls on the boogie boards and, you know, and shove them in the waves and watch them get crushed. On the, you know, just kidding. But they like, going to, they like going to Mission Bay, which is probably some of the grossest water in San Diego. Okay? It smells. You come out, and you're itching and stuff. It's just, but my daughters love it because there's no waves. And so they wanted to take Grandma to No Wave Beach. And so we went to Mission Beach. 
and there's this little island that they like to, if you've ever been there, but there's like a little island about 90 feet out that they like to swim to and go out there and build sandcastles. And so sure enough, we pick up our kids, take them there, and, and uh, the three of us are sitting there, and our kids swim out there, and uh, they're playing out there, and, and they keep coming back saying, Daddy, come out and play this. So I went out and played a little while, and then I swam back, and, and, uh, and then, then they came and they said, Grandma, come out and play with us, please. And uh, so there she was, 73 years old, getting in that water, and she grabs a little boogie board. She's still learning. She grabs the boogie board and she kicks her way out there and uh, she plays. Comes back and we wrap things up. We go home and as we're driving home, we're a couple blocks from home and she looks down and, and she goes, oh no, my wedding ring. And my mom has been married for 51 years. Those of you know that my dad just passed away three months ago. And, uh, and so her husband passed away three months ago and she looks down and she's like, oh no, my wedding ring. Same wedding ring, hasn't lost it in 51 years. Same ring. And now... I'll tell you what, she was devastated, I was devastated, I was like, you've got to be kidding me. This was not a happy moment in the Brinkman household, okay? And so, I mean, I, can, I look in the rearview mirror and Katie's like, you better go back and look for that ring. And so, and so I, I drop them off, I, I go back, I hurry back there and I look everywhere for that ring. And I was there for probably an hour looking and looking. And the whole time I'm looking, I'm like, Jesus, you've got to show me where the ring is at. God, you've got to tell me. I was grabbing everything I saw on, the, on the, you know, the bottom of the water, man. I was grabbing crabs that were swimming away and fish and all sorts of things. And, and I keep seeing what I thought was a ring, okay? But it ended up being like a broken clamshell, you know? And pretty soon when you're looking for something long enough, everything begins to look like... Anybody ever seen Lord of the Rings? Okay, I felt like I was turning into that little freaky guy. You know, precious, you know. Everything became precious to me. Anyway, and so I'm looking for this ring, and I was like, I'm, I'm talking nonstop. I'm talking nonstop, and I'm thinking, man, I've got to find this ring. And, uh, and sure enough, I don't find it. And, uh, and so I head back, and I'm like, I call my wife, and I'm like, how's she doing? And she's like, not good. And I'm like, oh, man, you know. And this is devastating. Three months ago, she just lost her husband, my father, and now the ring that she had for 51 years. And uh, we, we went to the, the coffee house night where our band played, which they did an awesome job and had a chance to share the gospel there. It was, it was a good time. And, and, uh, but all the time I was thinking, I, remember, I couldn't sleep on Friday night. I kept thinking about the ring. I kept thinking about the ring. I kept thinking about the ring. And, and I told my mom, I'm going to get up in the morning. I'm going to go look for that ring. And she was like, Ben, don't worry about it. And, uh, and I wasn't so much worried about it. I just, I'm, I'm persistent. And, uh, and when I get something inside of me, I just don't stop. And so I was persistent about this. And so I quickly ran to my storage, looked for my snorkeling gear, couldn't find it. So I grabbed the next best thing, which was my daughter's little goggles. Okay. Now, swim goggles are small enough the way it is. All right. Um, but when you got your daughter's swim goggles, it was awesome. I'll tell you what. And uh, I had to put them inside my eyelids because they were so small. You know, I was like, so I get down to the beach and there's nobody in the water, of course. It's like 7.30 in the morning. There's nobody in the water. And, uh, and so I walk out there and I'm kind of feeling a little bit weird. Like nobody's swimming in the water, probably because everybody knows that water's gross. But here I am, 7.30 in the morning. And I'm praying the whole time again. I'm saying, God, 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 God. And so I get in to the water. And I was in the water for about four minutes. And I literally, I literally heard the Holy Spirit speak to me. And the first thing he actually said to me was, would you shut up? And, and because, you know what, sometimes we talk so much that we can't hear him speak to us. Yeah. And I'm, I'm telling you the truth, if we just shut up long enough that we would actually hear him tell us what to do with our life, okay? Yeah. And so he literally was like, he said this, and I was looking, I was looking for maybe four minutes. I was in the water, no more than four minutes. This is a vast body of water. And I was like, God, there is no way I'm going to find this unless you help me. And I heard him say, stop. And so I stopped. He said, turn left. So I turned left. He said, no, 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 go that way. And so I went down under the water right where I was at, 
and right when I went into the water, there was the ring sitting right there, five feet under the water, on the top of the sand, just, just waiting for me to find it, okay? Now, you might think, that, sound, that sounds, you know, whatever, you found a ring, okay? That meant a lot to my, my mom, but more than that, to me, man, it, it, was like, it, was like, it was like a God encounter all over. It's like, if God, if you care that much about a little, a little, a little ring... How much more do you care about my life? How much more do you want to speak to me about my destiny, about my dream, about who I'm going to marry and the business I'm going to have and the ministries I'm supposed to be involved in? God, if you care that much about a ring, how much more do you care about my life? Are you with me tonight? And honestly, if we would just stop long enough and just say, God, speak to me. And then too often times we then continue to speak, but just stop and don't say anything. He will actually speak to you. He could literally say, stop, and maybe you're, God, I want, a, I want a wife, and you just says, stop, turn left, and boom, there she is. Are you with me? You laugh, but if he cares that much about a little ring, how much more does he care about your life partner? Are you with me tonight? I mean, you could be looking for a job through the newspaper and looking, why don't you just stop and pray, and he could just say, hey, just put your finger out, boom, there's your job. Honestly, we make this thing harder than it is sometimes. Are you with me tonight? I mean, I, I felt so lucky yesterday. I went out and bought 100 lotto tickets. I'm just kidding. I did. 99 of them. But anyway, I didn't buy any yet. Stop and listen to the Holy Spirit. Not only does He comfort us or cover us in our time of fear, which we talked about last week, but tonight I want to talk to you about insecurity. Fear, man, fear will rob you of a lot of things, but I, I don't know what's worse, fear or insecurity. Because a lot of times your insecurity can lead you to fear. Now, insecurity will eat you up because not only, hey, let me give you the dis- definition of insecurity. It's a lack of confidence or assurance. A lack of confidence or a lack of assurance, self-doubt. Insecurity, not only will it cause that self-doubt, not only will it cause, you know, the lack of confidence and assurance, but what it does, it literally takes your eyes off of God and gets your eyes on yourself. Are you with me tonight? Look what happened here. Let's talk about it real quickly. Look what happened in in, in, uh, Numbers. Numbers 13. We read it tonight. What has happened? The children of Israel, man, they're about ready to go into their promised land. Matter of fact, if you read the scriptures, you understand they're right there. Just like a 10-day journey, and they're there, and they're like, whoa, there's our promised land, milk, honey, big fruit. This is awesome, okay? This is the thing that God has promised us. And they're standing right there, and they don't walk into their dream. They don't walk into their promised land. They don't walk into their destiny because of insecurity. Why were they insecure? Well, if you understand what's been taking place before, they've been living in Egypt for a long time. And in Egypt, they were literally slaves, and they had taskmasters, and every day that they were told what to do, when to do it, how to do it, and if you don't do it this way, you're going to get beat down. Verbally were they being abused, and and physically were they being abused, and mentally were they being abused, and things were coming against them, and so so now there's, there's some bondage on their life. Are you with me? There's, there's some things causing insecurity in them. And so they come, and rather than believing what God said they could have, they start looking at themselves and they start, man, I, that's pretty good, but I don't think we deserve it. I, I, I don't think we can take it because, listen to what they said, we are as grasshoppers in our eyes, therefore so we are 
in their eyes. Man, insecurity will eat you up. Because not only will you feel insecure about who you are, you'll start to project that insecurity and begin to think that's the way that everybody else views you as well. I, when I was growing up, I actually had insecurity. And, and if I do have a crooked nose, don't tell me. But somebody told me one time when I was little that I had a crooked nose. Kind of over it. I think I have a gorgeous nose, okay? Why are you laughing? Go look at your nose. I'm just kidding. Growing up, I had several people tell you, Ben, you have a crooked nose. I was like, I do? I mean, honestly, I remember the first time somebody told me that. I ran to the mirror and I'm like, maybe a little bit crooked. I think maybe more or less it's just one nostril is a little bit bigger than the other. I'm just telling you my story. You can laugh at me, but I'm, I'm being honest with you. Jeez. It's happening all over again. Stop laughing. And I remember like the third or fourth time it happened. And I remember the feelings that began to develop inside of me to honestly, st- every once in a while, still to this day, I'm like, baby, my, my nose crooked. <laughs> and she'll be like, absolutely, baby, but I love it. No, I was kidding. What was that? that? That's insecurity. And so I thought, and now I'm projecting this like everybody thinks, now that's a simple example. But there are things in our life that, that we are insecure about, whether it be our looks, whether it be our, whether it be our abilities, whether it be our, our, our voice, whether it be our, our height, whether it be about you know, our, our body, whether it be about our ability in business. Are you with me tonight? And we are insecure, and now what happens is we begin to see ourselves as grasshoppers, little green floppy things, are you with me? And now, because we see ourselves as grasshoppers in our eyes, we begin to think, man, everybody else sees me the same way. How many of you guys have ever met an insecure person before? <laughs> you might be sitting next to one. Now listen to me. All of us will battle insecurity at some level. Okay? But some of us are battling insecurity at, at, at a great level. And I believe the Holy Spirit's going to come to you tonight and break that off you. But it's so weird when you meet somebody that's insecure because they start talking about themselves and you're like listening to them talk about themselves and all of a sudden you begin to see, well, that's the way they feel about themselves. The crazy thing is, is you don't see them the way they see themselves. But you do recognize their insecurity and they're insecure. And, And this is, for me, most of the time it's like, why in the world are they insecure? They project the image that they see about themselves and they think everybody else sees them, sees them that. Here is the children of Israel ready to walk into their promised land and one thing keeps them out, insecurity. One thing keeping you away from that job. One thing keeping you away from that dream. One thing keeping you away from that husband or that wife. And what is it? It's your insecurity. Are you with me tonight? Now insecurity will rob you of so much joy. And what happens oftentimes is we'll find ourselves in, in seasons of uncertainty. And that uncertainty, as it lingers too long, then you begin to project that uncertainty on yourself and it leads to un- insecurity. Now that insecurity keeps you from your dream, keeps you. Now, now listen to me, maybe it's not even something massive. It's not even something this, this huge, you know, like them, the promised land, milk, honey. Maybe it's a husband, maybe it's a wife. Maybe it's a ministry opportunity. Maybe it's a job. Maybe it's a breakthrough in your finances. Are you with me tonight? And you're standing right there and you can see it. Matter of fact, you might have even tasted of it a little bit. But all of a sudden you begin to, man, I'm like a grass. I don't, I know that I've applied for the job and they want to hire me for that job, but I don't think I'm qualified enough. Insecurity. 
insecurity will eat you up. It kept them out of the promised land, and they literally wandered the wilderness for 40 years. But here's the cool thing, is oftentimes we say they wandered around the wilderness for 40 years. Look at what Deuteronomy 29 says. They did not wander around the wilderness for 40 years after that. Look at this. These are the words of the covenant of the Lord commanded Moses to make with the people of Israel in the land of Moab, besides the covenant he made with them at Horeb. And Moses summoned all Israel and said to them, You have seen all that the Lord did before your eyes in the land of Egypt to Pharaoh and all his servants and to all his land. The great trials, your eyes saw the signs and those great wonders. But to this day, the Lord has not given to your heart to understand your eyes to see or your ears to hear. That scripture stuck out to me this week. Your heart doesn't understand. Your eyes can't see. Your ears can't hear. 1 Corinthians 2.9 says this, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man, the thing that God has in store for you. Yet, it is being revealed to you by the Holy Spirit, by the Comforter, by the third person. Now check this out. Verse 5, They did not wander the wilderness. I have led you. Forty years in the wilderness. Your clothes have not worn out. Your sandals have not worn out. And it goes on to talk about how he provided food for them. This was the Holy Spirit leading them. How does the Holy Spirit come to us in our times of insecurity? How does he come to us in our times of insecurity? Let, let's just go through this real quickly. A, he comes to us in our times of insecurity by leading us. Oftentimes when we're insecure, we feel like, man, we missed out on the opportunity. We missed out on that dream. We missed out on that destiny. Now we feel maybe lost, but listen to what happened to the Israelites. They missed out on something massive. They missed out on something huge. But in the middle of their insecurity, whether they knew it or not, the Holy Spirit came and led them in the wilderness for 40 years. He was the cloud by day, the pillar of fire by night, leading them through the wilderness. I think about my daughters, and sometimes when something's new, it can cause that insecurity. This is, a new, this is something new. and maybe I remember just uh, back to their first day of school, walking into those classrooms and walking to that school. They're so excited, and then they get to the promised land, <laughs> and they see all these other kids that they don't know. They look like giants. <laughs> Actually, my kids probably look like the giants, but... You know what they do? You know what the first thing they do is? They step back and they grab onto my hand. And they let me lead them to their classroom. They let me introduce them to their teacher. Faith Steele, she just started kindergarten. And she won. I, I, I kiss Carby. You know, she's in second grade now. She's a big girl and she just runs over to her friends. But Faith Steele. She, and I try to go and she grabs onto my hand. Dad, stay with me in line until we go into class. What is that? That's me leading her into her promised land, kindergarten. What did the Holy Spirit do? The Holy Spirit, see, listen to me. When we walk in insecure, when we have insecurity in our life, God doesn't hate us. He doesn't give up on us. He doesn't look down on us and see, man, you guys are losers. He doesn't join in harmony with the thing that you're confessing about your own life. See, that's the problem, ladies and gentlemen, with insecurities, is we get so insecure and we begin to link on to other insecure people. God doesn't do that. The Holy Spirit doesn't do that. 
I mean, can you imagine? Man, we're like grasshoppers, and the Holy Spirit comes. Yes, you are. <laughs> Hop away, oh little green thing, you know? He doesn't do that. He comes. Now listen to me, man. It might seem harsh walking around the wilderness for 40 years, but he led them. He led them. Is that what your Bible says? Is it, is it not I that led you? He will lead you. Listen to me tonight. He'll lead you in the middle of your insecurity. What's the Bible say? Man, he'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. Man, you begin to live like hell, and guess what? He's right there with you. He's going to lead you. That's how he covers you in your time of insecurity. How, how does he cover you or help you in your time of insecurity? B, he covered by covering us. By covering us. The Bible says he not only led them, but look at this. It says he didn't let their clothes wear out or their shoes wear out. Now all the women hate this one. Can you imagine, ladies, 40 years, same shoes? I mean, some of you can't even imagine going four days with the same shoes. 40 years. The guys love this one. Like, I don't have to buy you another pair of shoes. This is awesome. 40 years. Look at those. She comes, I need a new pair of shoes. No, you don't. Look at them. They're fine. I need a new dress. No, that one's, that one's still good. No holes in it. 40 years. Some of the guys in here, that would be painful for you. 40 years in the same shoes. 40 years. What is he doing? He's covering them. He's covering them. Listen how awesome this is. He's going to lead them for 40 years in the wilderness. There ain't, there ain't no, you know, Macy's along the way. Are you with me? We're not going to stop and buy shoes, okay? Uh, we're going to be walking for a long time. I'm not going to let them wear out. What was he doing? He was covering their insecurity. Because at any moment, they could have looked down at their worn out shoes and thought, man, why didn't we just go into the promised land? Oh, that's right. I was insecure. <laughs> what did he do? He kept their shoes intact. He kept their clothes intact. He was covering their insecurity. Look, the Holy Spirit is so good. He covers our insecurity. It's almost as if, it's almost as if it, it's like a cocoon and he comes around and he notices your insecurity and it's like he, he wraps you up. And he, and he, not only does he, does he hide the insecurity from you, but he can hide it from others as well. And it's almost like a cocoon and he, and he wraps us up. Here we are dealing with our insecurity. Why does he do this? Because what's happening when he comes and covers your insecurity, he's not just babying you. You know what he's doing? He's working internally on you. And he's killing your insecurity. What, what did the Bible say? It said, look, I, I did not allow you to have bread, but I fed you with manna. I didn't let your clothes wear out. I didn't let your shoes wear out. What did the Bible say? So that you would know that I am the Lord God. Isn't that what the Bible says? What was he doing? He, he put a cocoon around it. I'm going to watch what's going to happen here. I'm going to take care of your shoes. I'm going to take care of your clothes. I'm going to feed you with manna. Three meals a day for 40 years. Praise Jesus. But all the time he's working internally on them. Now listen to them. You've got to catch this tonight. You know what was happening in those 40 years? If you, go, if you go read through the whole Bible, you know what's happening in those 40 years? All the people that came with a bad report and that were insecure, they were dying off. Read your Bible. It wasn't until... 
all the people that came with a bad report. It wasn't until they were all gone, they were all dead, that then God came and said, look, I think you guys are ready to go into the promised land. Read your Bible. Matter of fact, everybody that was circumcised under the covenant to go into the promised land was now dead. You know what they had to do before they walked into the promised land? Read Joshua chapter 5. Matter of fact, let's just read it right now. Joshua chapter 5. And we're going we're to conclude right here. Listen to me tonight. It is, it is my desire. It is my desire tonight to see insecurity broken off of your life so that you can walk into the dream and to the thing that God has for you. Listen to me tonight. It did not have to take them 40 years. Man, if they would have caught on to what God was doing, think about this. If someone would have woke up and said, hey, Moses, let's meet. What's going on? I think I know what's happening. What? I think God's killing off all the insecure people. Sweet, let's just go kill them ourselves and walk into the promised land tomorrow. Listen, it doesn't have to take 40 years to overcome your insecurity. It's just a process that God takes you through. As the, as the comforter comes upon you, man, he leads you. He covers your insecurity. But while he's doing that, he's working internally to get your eyes off of yourself and your eyes on him. And it's at that moment, ladies and gentlemen, that insecurity is dead. Are you with me tonight? 40, it didn't have to take 40 years. Joshua chapter 5. I think it's Joshua chapter 5. What verse am I looking for? Joshua 5, verse 8. Listen to this. If you go back to verse 3, then Joshua made flint knives and circumcised the sons of Israel. And this is the reason why Joshua circumcised them. All the males of the people who came out of Egypt, all the men of war had died in the wilderness on the way after they had come out of Egypt. He's circumcising them again. What is it? It's a circumcision of the flesh. He's circumcising their insecurity. Look at this, verse 8. And when the circumcising of the whole nation was finished, they remained in their place in the camp until they were healed. And the Lord said to Joshua, Today have rolled away the reproach of Egypt. I have rolled away all the stuff you've been living under, all the stuff that's been causing insecurity in your life, all the stuff that happened back in Egypt, all the stuff that happened to you last year, all the stuff that happened to you in a previous relationship, all the stuff that happened at your last job and the way your employer talked down to you and talked about you, all that stuff, that stuff is being rolled back. Are you with me? It's being rolled back. The reproach of Egypt from you and so the name of that place was called Gilgal to this day. While the people of Israel were encamped at Gilgal, they kept the Passover on the 14th day of the month in the evening of the plains of Jericho and the day after the Passover. And that very day they ate of the produce of the land of unleavened cakes and parched grain. And the manna ceased the day after they ate of the produce of the land. Listen to this. And there was no longer manna for the people of Israel, but they ate of the fruit of the land of Canaan that year. They ate of their promised land. They ate of their dream. They ate of their destiny. They ate. Lastly, see, Now he'll lead you. He'll cover you. But then he brings you back to the promised land so that you can walk in when that insecurity is dead, when that insecurity is gone. You walk in, you eat of the produce of your dream.
What about you tonight? What, 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 what ways are you insecure tonight? Maybe it's, maybe it's due because of a past relationship. I'm so proud of our, our worship leader, Amanda. And many of you know her testimony, know her story. Before I met Amanda, she was at a church. And she had a dream to be a worship leader. And she's been doing music since she was little. She had a dream to be a worship leader, but you know what? The place she was at came to said, you know what, Amanda, you're never going to be a worship leader. You should look for something else. These are exact words. Matter of fact, why don't you look for something, an administrative job. You can do ministry with administration. She was in Egypt. She was a slave. They told her, look, you're never going to do that. God took her out of that place, but can I tell you something? It wasn't overnight. There was a process that took place in her life. And I guarantee you, and you, I, you can correct me if I'm wrong, Amanda, but I've seen you come a long ways. And that process was literally removing insecurity off your life so that you could get up here and you could lead people into the presence of God with worship. Someone said she would never do it, and because that created insecurity, and there was literally days when I, I, I'm, not, I'm not called to this. I, I don't think I can do it. I, I don't think I'm... But you know what? The Holy Spirit, the Comforter, surrounded her and has taken her to a whole new level, and she's writing songs. She's playing at coffee houses. Insecurity will destroy your dream. What about you? What, 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 what are you insecure in tonight? Would you do this with me tonight? Would you close your eyes? Just bow your head for a minute. God works on me in my, in my life in this every day. If you ever want to feel insecure, just go plant a church. Go start a ministry. As your eyes are closed and you're just looking at your own life, listen to me. I, I feel this so strongly tonight. More strongly than I did this morning. Holy Spirit loves you. But it's time for Him to come. It's time for you to allow Him to come. Surround you like He did the children of Israel. I'm telling you, don't let it take 40 years, ladies and gentlemen. Allow Him to do the process in your life. Allow Him to work overtime inside of you to destroy that insecurity so that you can walk into your dream, you can walk into your promised land. Let him circumcise your flesh tonight. Let him circumcise words that have been spoken over your life. Moms, dads, coaches, counselors, teachers, bosses. Hallelujah. Lord, right now in Jesus' mighty name, Lord, I thank you for everyone that's here tonight. Hallelujah. Lord, I pray that, God, we would not be those people that stand on the edge of our promise, unable to go in because of insecurity. God, I pray we would not be those people that begin to develop a bad report and begin to speak negative of our dream and begin to speak negative of our promised land because of insecurity. God, I pray we would not be those people that put more faith in our insecurity 
in our inability than we do in your ability. God, I pray we would put more stock in what you are saying than what we see and what we say about ourselves. Lord, tonight I pray you would come as the comforter and you would surround every person in this place. God, the journey doesn't have to take 40 years. Lord, tonight you can do a radical work in their life. Hallelujah.